And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is Wednesday. It's the best day of the week because that means we have a very special guest. And today is a very, very special guest. That's right. The one. The only Booger McFarland, you know him, you love him, former LSU star, Super Bowl champion, works for ESPN covering college football and the NFL now. Booger, do you do you ever sleep? <laughs> yeah, dude. I normally, you know what I tell people is that, you know, people are like, man, your travel schedule is crazy. It's like, listen, all I do is walk on the plane and sit down in first class and the pilot does the rest. So uh, I got to, you know, take a couple rental cars, a couple shuttles, but um i got a great job man uh i, I get a lot of rest uh, i do a lot of peloton so I, I keep up my energy man i got nothing to complain about staples oh all right all right buns of anarchy how is that going oh it's great man you know like it's one of those things that was started during the pandemic and you know pft and, and he and i and a bunch of guys just it was a way we could kind of keep our sanity, man, because you couldn't go anywhere. No one was going to gyms. And, you know, you still wanted that connection of people. And it was a way that we could work out, get that connection. We got some social media traction, which we didn't even really think about. It was just really about us just competing. We did some charity work. We donated a scholarship. Like we did so many things around a bike and around <laughs> exercising that, uh, you know, people probably think we were just bragging about what we were doing. And, and in honesty, uh, it, it was just a way for all of us to kind of uh, connect and, and just kind of feel like we were a part of the world during a difficult time. I, I just like to see the leaderboards because, you know, you guys had some some real dudes on there, including yourself. Like just to see what guys who played in the NFL, what kind of, of power they're generating and what kind of, you know, when, when they're working out as as civilians now it you, you still realize how different the, the rest of us are from from the folks who uh who make it as far as you did well you know what it is man here's the thing about peloton and i tell people all the time because they always see me bragging and talking about it and and it really changed my life man because i was at a point where i couldn't really run every day but if you don't exercise you're going to wind up being a fat ass so i i needed something and and lo and behold came to peloton but it, it just really gave me a connection staples man uh, back to when I was just loving working out and loving exercising. And, and I stopped lifting a ton of weight, man. And all I do is ride the Peloton, get my sweat in. And it's my 30 to 45 minutes a day where I lock in. And just for a moment, I feel like, you know, maybe I can compete on some level at anything again. And, you know, besides the golf course. And so that really, and, and you know, for a dude, we like to compete at anything. That kind of gave me that little extra edge that I was looking for. 
Now, so I, we didn't plan this, by the way, and, and Peloton has been advertising with us recently. And, and that's what I, when, when I do the reads, I always tell people I, I, I've been using the app since the pandemic. Uh, I, I use it for running. I, I, have, I want those guys taking me through the runs because I can't, if I just run by myself, I'm just going to jog and, and, you know, maybe I'm listening to a podcast or something and I'm going to go slow. But if, if like Bex Gentry, the little British lady who always tells you to, to double knot your trainer laces, if she's yelling at me, then I'm gonna go. Or if Andy Spears yelling at me, or Chase Tucker's yelling at me, then I'm gonna go. And it made a huge difference in in you know losing weight and getting in shape. So that's what I I like I like having somebody kind of push me. I, I don't know if it's as people who grew up playing sports kind of need that still. I've I've never been one that could just go in the weight room and 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 really push myself that hard without so so I'm, I'm i'm just curious are, are you admitting that you are a little mentally fragile is that what we're doing here that's uh hey admitting listen we've known this this is this is a known <laughs> fact i am fragile i am i am a, like a major award i am fragile yeah no i i like i like but see i always like getting yelled at too like we, we when i hear the the people talking about how how kids get coached these days like I wanted someone to correct me and I didn't care if they yelled at me because I was kind of, I've always been kind of a pleaser. So that's what I wanted. And it didn't bother me if they, if they were yelling. Cause I was like, okay, well, well you know, as long as they're not talking about my mom or anything, I'm good with it. But that's what, I, that's why I always, it's funny when we, we hear everybody's like, Oh, these kids are soft. These days. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I meet a lot of these kids who, who like to be coached hard too. They just, you know, it, it's just not as acceptable to say that now. Yeah, I, I, I think that's I think that's a fair way to look at it. I do. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I honestly don't think people are that different, <laughs> like in in the generation behind us, as we were or or our parents were. I, I just think everybody's voice is so amplified now. If if you don't like a certain type of person. You're going to cling to that. You're going to, you're going to notice that. And you're like, oh, there's so many of those people going around. It's really because everybody's got a megaphone. So, but Right, right. You know. and, 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 and that megaphone is, is, is their telephone, social media, where they can get on and yep. get under an anonymous handle and post and say whatever they want to say for people to react to. That's right. Like just, just this morning, Tuesday morning, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday morning, I wake up to a, 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 this guy has done like an eight tweet thread about what, what an idiot me and Feinbaum are because we said LSU is a better job than USC. And he said, you know, regional personalities from the Piggly Wiggly footprint like Andy Staples and Paul Feinbaum, I understand why they would pander to their audience and say that LSU is a better job than USC. But what's funny is the first tweet of this eight tweet thread, he said, well, they're going to say that the last three coaches at LSU have won the national title, and that's the reason it's a better job. That is the reason it's a better job. And but that's, guys like that, they get it under my skin. So, but 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 at least this guy was a little creative about it. So I, I'm glad I'm getting new business cards. Uh, regional personality from the Piggly Wiggly footprint feels like a very good brand for me. So <laughs> I I like it. Hey, I, I, you know what, Staples? As as long as you like it, I love it, buddy. That's exactly. Listen, we got to you. You get this, too. I mean, people will you were on you're on national TV, so you always have people throwing stuff at you. You got to just take it in stride. That's the only that's the only way you can do it. 
So, so what? I'll ask you that. Now, I realize you might be a little teeny bit biased here, but which is the better job, USC or LSU? Well, so here's the way I, rather than give you an answer, I'm, I'm going to give you criteria and, and the answer will, will state itself. So when you start to look at jobs, let's look at things that, that, that the school or the state or the city provide for your job. Um, the number one um, lifeline of college football is recruiting. So regardless, that's the thing that's equal with both of these schools. Regardless of where they're located, you got to be able to recruit to your school. And most of the time you're recruiting in a, you know, three, four hour vicinity of the school. Call it six hours. OK, six hours within your within the circumference of your school is, is yeah. your quote unquote foot, footprint. Yeah, that gets, um, you, that gets you to Houston, to Houston from Baton Rouge and to Phoenix from L.A. Correct. OK, so now within your footprint, can you own your footprint? And do you have to compete with anybody else within your footprint? If you look at USC uh, uh, in L.A., they got to compete with UCLA. They got to compete with a lot of other schools like uh, Cal. There are other schools that that Oregon is down there a ton. Correct or whatever. But let's just talk about in the footprint. They have other competition within the footprint. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, okay, especially within the walls of the state, of Louisiana, there there is no other school in the state that you are competing against that is of equal caliber. Now, within a six-hour window of Baton Rouge, sure, you're going to run into, you know, that's going to take you over in, in the Mississippi on the on the very edge of Mississippi State and Ole Miss, but LSU has always won those recruiting battles uh, between, I think, between uh, them and Mississippi State and Ole Miss. So my point being is, just based on the criteria of recruiting, LSU is a better recruiting spot than USC. That's number one. Number two, let's take a look at the politics of it and the administration. Does your administration and does your school and does your state political figures allow you to function as a program? Meaning, basically, long story short, you're not Texas with the Board of Regents meddling in your business. Okay, let's just keep it really simple. And I think by and large, Yes, there are politics involved in Louisiana, but by and large, LSU has been able to function the way they've wanted to function for a long time. And USC, to a certain point, has also, although of late, that's kind of come under fire a little bit. So let's say that's a, that's a wash. And I think the last thing I would look at is this, is that when you look at tradition um, and your fan base and, you know, when it comes to fundraising, are you able to get it done? What are you competing against in that town? What are you competing against for eyes and emotion in that town? LSU is competing against LSU. USC is competing against UCLA, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings. I mean, they, it, as far as the emotional investment, which ultimately will lead to the, the financial investment of funds. And so, Andy, when I say all of that, looking at those three criteria, it's quite evident to me what the best school is. Now, we can be biased based on where we're from. And I'm from Louisiana. And if you ask Keyshawn, he's from L.A. And he'll probably say that based on where we're from. But if we just take our affiliation out and just look at those criteria, um, yeah, LSU is a better job. Now, both jobs come with the same amount of pressure and expectations. And what I'll say is this, and I think this goes for both schools. Okay, people will, people will connect any and everybody to, to both schools. 
Here's what I'll say that both schools should do. Both schools have to hire the guy that they think can recruit to their school the best. That's, that's, that's job description one. Job description two is you better be able to galvanize that third thing that I listed in the criteria as far as the emotional investment of your fan base, of your, of your uh, alumni, of the people that matter. Because that emotional investment will ultimately lead to financial investment when it comes to seats, uh, uh, butts in the seats, and, and, and people that are invested in your program. And I think lastly, what you got to figure out is find me someone in an offensive era that can create buzz around your team from an offensive standpoint. Um, because the name of the game is scoring points. Defense is important. I'm a defensive guy. You already know that. Georgia's got the best defense in the country, and then it's the reason they're number one. It's not because of their offense. Okay, Alabama is on their heels, not because of the defense, although the defense is good, but people look at their offense and look at the explosiveness of that. So find me a coach that fits those criteria at all at both of those schools. And that's your coach. Now, it's going to be different for USC than it is for uh, LSU. Who can recruit California as opposed to who can recruit Louisiana in the southeast? Those are two totally different things. Sometimes you find the same guy. Okay, sometimes you find the same guy. Mario Cristobal is a guy at Oregon who has proven to be able to recruit the West Coast and the South. But you know as well as I know, that doesn't always happen because the, the people are a little different. Um, yeah. What matters is a, is a little different. But overall, I think that's what I would look for if I was, you know, advising the powers to be at both of those schools, Andy. Do, do you have any any coaches in mind? We, we were talking about the LSU job before we, we started recording, and, and you mentioned that, you know, you, you love – hearing all the speculation, but you're not really taking a lot of part in it. But if you, if you could kind of tailor make or, or take the, the perfect coach for, for each job, like who would, who would your perfect coach be at USC and who would your perfect coach be at LSU? Oh, wow. USC is, is different than LSU. So USC wants somebody with the, and, and I'm going to make this up because this is not a person. They want right. somebody with the, with the flair and pizzazz and the charmability of Magic Johnson that has the recruiting and the, the um, wherewithal about that area of the country like Mario Cristobal, but also has the hands-on coaching ability of being able to be hands-on and not hands-off like a Lane Kiffin, like a Lincoln Riley, somebody who is hands-on. Because you got a couple of different types of coaches. You got the guys who are CEOs, and you got the guys that are actually in the meeting rooms designing and, and drawing and installing, okay? Uh, I don't think there's any secret. Coach O was a, was a, was a, a CEO type. Mario Cristobal seems like a CEO type. And that's fine. They both have won the high level. Uh, but I think these programs now need somebody that is kind of hands-on. So that's, that's the type of guy that I would draw for USC, somebody that fits that. As far as LSU is concerned, man, um, LSU has struggled offensively for years um, before Coach O switched to Joe Brady and got Joe Burrow. So I don't think that the people and the powers to be want to go backwards. So I need somebody with the, with the offensive mind uh, that can be creative. Uh, and it doesn't have to be this type of offense, but the creativity of a Jamie Chadwell, the creativity of a Lane Kiffin, the creativity of Lincoln Riley able to recruit the South uh, like uh, 
Kirby Smart does in the South, because Kirby owns the South, like Dabo is in the South. And then I think somebody that can stand in front of the program and galvanize the program uh, as far as in front of the people that matter and has that CEO type look like a James Franklin, like a um, – um, I'm trying to think who else, uh, you know, like Brian Kelly, like when Brian Kelly stands in yeah. front of the room, every Notre Dame belongs says that's my coach. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I wonder about him, Booger, because at what point does he get tired of hitting his head on the ceiling at Notre Dame? Or does he ever get tired of that? When you say tired of hitting his head on the ceiling, what do you mean by that? I think he's got Notre Dame about as high as they can go. Because they're not ever really going to be as deep as Ohio State or Alabama or LSU in terms of a roster because you're fishing from a a little bit smaller pool in terms of recruiting because of the academic stuff. So at what point does he say, or does he reach a point where he says, I would like to be at a place that really can compete for the national title every year? Well, I don't know. That's a question for Brian Kelly. Uh, Here's what I'd say. I think if you look at over the last five years, he's won as much or more than anybody in the country that has not won a national championship. So he's won at a high level. Um, his path to the national championship is simpler where he's at now. He just hasn't been able to recruit at a high enough level at the skill positions uh, consistently. Yeah, you right. get the Michael Mayers, you get – you know, the Kyrie Williams, you get the Chris Tyree, like you, like you get those guys and, and you get the Kyle Hamilton's, but I need eight to 10 of those guys on defense on, on the back end. Okay. Where Notre Dame has struggled consistently for my opinion is their back seven has not always been up to par with the rest of the country and therefore they struggle. And when it comes to having game breakers at the skill positions on offense, they haven't had as much depth there. To compete, yeah, they're good enough to beat 95% of the country, I think, consistently. But if you're going to consistently beat the best team out of the SEC, the best team out of the ACC, the best team out of the Big 12, the best team out of the Pac-12, 
then you got to be able to have dudes that can go get it at the skill positions on offense and in the back seven on defense. And to a certain point, that's where Clemson has struggled on defense too, Andy. Like Clemson's defense, their back seven has been terrible. And I think that's gotten them in trouble. And that's led to where they are right now, which is it's hard for us to believe. Think about this, Staples, and this is a podcast, so we can ramble a little bit. Think about this in football. Think about this. If I told you you could wake up November the 1st and these two things would be true, Kansas City Chiefs offense or team would not be any good and the Clemson Tigers offense would not be any good. People would laugh at me till the cows come home if I told them back in July yeah. they would wake up November the 1st and those two things would be true. Oh, they'd be like, don't you remember when DJ started against Notre Dame last year and threw for 400 yards? Like, no, no, no. Clemson's going to be just fine. And yeah, and Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But you're right. It, that's exactly where we're at. And the Clemson thing is interesting to me because I, I do think, you know, this is a case where you mentioned the back end, and I think you're right about that. There's, there's some spots where you, you notice when they, like when they played LSU in the national title game, Burrow kept picking on the same people. And, and that's, they, they have to tighten that up. And then this year, their offensive line recruiting, which if you paid attention to their offensive line recruiting, they don't win a lot of those battles against Alabama. They did win Jackson Carmen away from Ohio State. Jackson Carmen was an Ohio guy, went to Clemson. But for the most part, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State are getting those offensive linemen, and Clemson just hasn't been. And it, it's... It really came home to roost, it felt like, this this year. Yeah, and, and that's surprising because I, I know this past cycle, they got Tristan Lee, the, the big tackle out of Virginia. Yeah. Um, yep. I'm, I'm not sure where he is in his development, but he's a freshman. So, you, you know, anything you get from freshmen, are usually, um, it's usually tough in the trenches because those bodies aren't developed yet, but it's going to be a bonus. So, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see where Dabo goes because um, – I mean, they may lose another game or two, and, and Dabo's in, in danger of being seven and five. And for Dabo Swinney to be seven and five in the middle of this run, I just wonder how far, or if at all, that set, that sets Clemson back. I don't know. You, you may be able to know more than I do. I just wanted to pers- well, will, 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 will the perception change of Clemson based on this season? I don't think so because there's some. There's one thing he can do pretty quickly, and and. The D-line is going to be awesome next year when those guys come back healthy. So as, as we've seen with Georgia, if you have a great defensive front, you, you, it helps in, in many, many, many ways. But the thing I think Dabo can do, and I think he's going to do this, I, you know, it sounds like just from, from reading the tea leaves about what he's doing with the infrastructure of the program, he's never taken transfers before. It sounds like he understands that that might help them in certain cases because they can be really selective with who they take. They can take mm-hmm. only the guys who absolutely can contribute right now at a spot they need. And maybe mm-hmm. you take four of those guys, but suddenly your weak spots become strong spots and you're right back where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that's going to really, um, I think really be worth paying attention to this offseason. Yeah, because it, it, I didn't. It's funny because uh, Ari Wasserman, my co-host uh, on Fridays, he's he was saying this through the summer, and he covers recruiting for us at the Athletic. So he's been he's been preaching this for about a year, just saying 
There's a dip coming at Clemson. Watch out for it. But now he thinks the way they've recruited behind it, it it's probably going to be okay, that they, they can work their way out of it. But he said this, this could be the year, and the next year might also be not a playoff-type year either. So, I, I mean, how do we live in a world, Booger, where we've we got to explain the, the, a, a Wake Pitt ACC championship game to everybody. That's going to be something. Well, it, it'll be something, but, you know, if you think about it, let's take a look at Pitt. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett has been there. He's done that uh, for a while. It's, it's the classic case of a guy coming in. He wasn't a hot shot freshman. Uh, developed over time and got better and better and better. And now he's worked himself into a position where I think, you know, come draft time, Kenny Pickett's name is going to get called at some point. You know? Oh, yeah, and, and, absolutely. And, 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 Right, without a doubt. And maybe, maybe if he finishes the season off the right way, we, we could be talking downtown athletic club. And I could be dating myself. I, I don't know if they have it there anymore, but we could be talking highest control. Uh, yeah, I think it's somewhere in Midtown now. They keep moving it around. Right. Now, I want to ask you about this because you played D tackle. It feels like this is the year that, that somebody on the line of scrimmage maybe makes it to New York because there aren't those obvious quarterbacks right now. And, and, you know, we see Jordan Davis. We see what Kayvon Thibodeau does when he, when he gets to play. Now, I don't know. He might not wind up playing enough to, to get a lot of votes. But could somebody like Kayvon Thibodeau or Jordan Davis, who affect basically every player in the game, is this the kind of year they could wind up in New York? You know, normally I would say yes, but the Heisman Trophy is such a statistical award you have to have the statistics for some of the football uh, novices that vote uh, that, 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 that they can quantify the award with. Meaning if you go back and look at the year that Ndamukong Sue was being considered, uh, he had a ton of sacks. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, if he had like 18 or 19 sacks, this would be the year he could win it. Because to be honest with you, think about this. Caleb Williams started one game and he was already like fourth in the Vegas odds to win the Heisman Trophy. That shows you right there, nobody has the award locked up. So, uh, yes, Jordan Davis, he, he's not going to give you the quantifiable stats to be able to have enough buzz with the novices, even though they have a vote. They don't know enough about football to be able to quantify what a nose tackle does to get, to, to get up there and win the Heisman Trophy. Kayvon Thibodeau is at a position, though, where at defensive end, if he, gets a, if he would have played uh, and, and been, you know, 15, 16, 18 side guy, yes, then I would agree with you. But right now, we're going to continue to do what we've always done, which is open up the stat sheet. Oh, Bryce Young is 75% and 4,000 yards and 38 touchdowns and two picks. All right, he's going. Uh, you know, and, and we're just going to choose the person with the best stats. That's why it's always been a stat award. That's why whoever starts for Oklahoma is always going to be a favorite. Spencer Rattler was a favorite for the Heisman this year, and he had no business, but he was, the, he was the betting favorite in August. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? It's because it, this is a statistical award. And I think that if you think it's anything other than that, then you're fooling yourself. Well, that's what, it, it is amazing. And I'm, I'm going to write something in a little bit, uh, trying to explain how guys like Jordan Davis – uh, Tyler Ooh, Winterbaum uh, from, from listen, Iowa, I, 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 how they affect I, the I, game. I, I, correct. Because, because the center from Iowa is outstanding. Jordan Davis is outstanding. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you're right. Those guys are great. Um, a, do you have a vote for the Heisman? And B, give me your top five right now. Okay, I do have a vote. Um, 
Jordan Davis would be number one for me right now because there, there's nobody who affects games more than he does right now. Uh, I would I would probably have Will Anderson somewhere in there from Alabama. Uh, yep, Thibodeau, I, I would I, I'd still have in there because like if you watch Oregon play, they probably shouldn't be where they are record wise right now. But but when Thibodeau's on the field, there is nothing the opponent can do to stop him. Nothing. And, and so that's, that's pretty amazing to me. Uh, in terms of the quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett, uh, maybe Bryce Young. And I don't know that Caleb Williams is going to have a big enough sample size in that first half against Kansas. You know, he's doing freshman things where uh, – because Caleb Williams, I think, is going to be phenomenal. I cannot wait to see him next year with a full offseason as the starter and then the year after that too. But, you know, he does things like in the game against Kansas – He's running around back there. There's a running back standing over by the sideline as a check down. There, there's no one within 10 yards. I think it's Kennedy Brooks. If you throw the ball to Kennedy Brooks there, he's gaining at least eight yards. And if he makes a move on somebody, he might be gaining 25. What does Caleb Williams do? He points his receiver that, that's you know down 30 yards down the field, points him further down the field, and then underthrows him, and, and it's a pick. Like, no, you're not. You're not ready for the Heisman yet. You will be, but you're not there yet. So Bryce Young, though, I do. You see some stuff from him. Like there was a third and long against Tennessee, where as soon as he caught the snap, you could tell. Oh my God, this dude is completely locked in. He's getting this first down. And this is when the game was tight there in the in the late third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter, and and he throws an absolute dime down the seam. And I'm like, okay, this this guy of the quarterbacks feels like the only one I should be thinking about. Although Pickett seems to get better every week. And and I think if he keeps playing the way I, I think Pickett winds up may wind up winning it if he keeps playing like this. All right. Um yeah, I I do think Kenny Pickett has has enough of what I would call it. Um and and he's playing well and and Pitt's winning. So you you got all those things. Uh it I didn't realize, it, and it just shows you like how I just went off assumption, and I apologize to the Pitt faithful for that. I didn't. Re- I just assumed Clemson was a favorite. I didn't realize Pitt was favored in the game this past weekend. Oh yeah, well we had it. We had a whole episode on it last week because we we placed a bet on it, and fortunately I won, so I don't have to drink a uh, a shot of the liquor of my choice with uh, with ketchup mixed in. Uh, my co-host Ari has to drink a shot of the liquor of his choice with mustard mixed in. We we are we were basing it off uh, you know the mustard bottle that wound up on the field at Tennessee. So right. we, we, in, in honor of that French's mustard bottle, he's got to squirt some mustard into and he's he's going to do tequila, which I think is stupid. I think vodka would be better, but this is it's it's his it's his show. So whatever he wants to do, he lost the bet. But I was I was shocked when the line came out and then. I thought about it and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really not. Cause I, I, I watched, you know, I've watched most of the games Clemson has played in their entirety. And I had just gotten off watching, you know, Clemson Syracuse on a Friday night where, I mean, it was, it's painful to watch that offense. It's, I, I, I didn't think it would ever be this way once they got it rolling. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, but what does it say about Dabo and about Tony Elliott that, that they can't – because they got talent. I mean, if you're going to tell me Clemson has no talent, I'm going to tell you a lie. Just go back and look at their offensive recruiting, uh, so on and so forth. So if you're going to tell me they don't have any talent, I'm like, okay, that's not going to go. 
if the offensive line may not be great, but I mean, in college football, you don't have to have a great offensive line. Just look at what Ole Miss does. Like Ole Miss offensive line is not great, but they figured out a way to scheme around it. And if you yeah. Dabo and you Tony Elliott are supposed to be so good, how come you can't scheme around guys? I mean, those guys can at least get in the way for a second or two. So why well, is and, and it I that? Think, I think a lot of it's the perimeter blocking too. Uh, you know, guys like Cornell Powell did everything right. Amari Rogers did everything right, even when they didn't have the ball. All right. I mean, something can be said for that. You know, I would just go back and ask the question of, of Dabo and of Tony Elliott, like, why aren't we doing more? Why is the offense struggling? I mean, how can DJ throw for 423 against Notre Dame, but right now you pull him for the kid from – I'm not even going to try to say his name – the kid from up in New Haven, uh, wearing number seven. Uh, has DJ regressed that much? And if so, how did you allow it to – I got, like, I got so many – so many questions of that coaching staff about their offense. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get a answer, but I would love and, and next time I see that, boy, I'm going to ask him because, you know, he and I have a pretty good rapport. We can talk a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to asking him that. Well, and, and I'd be curious to see, you know, a, after the season, what, what, what he would say. Because, you know, I, they're in the middle of this now. I, I want to know what the autopsy says. When, right. when this is done, because I'm fascinated because I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it's one position group. I don't, I don't think it could be one position group for this kind of breakdown. So, and, and, and Tony Elliott, you know, he was, he was a guy who was, people were after him for head coaching jobs. This is going to be a really active coaching carousel. And I, I don't know that he's going to generate a whole lot of buzz after this season, even though they're going to be a bunch of openings. Uh, I mean, if he generates buzz, it's going to be off the pass and not based off what he just finished doing this season. So um, I think Tony still deserves to be a good coach. I'm not going to fault him for one year, but I do have questions on how you can take a guy who the moment he finished that game, everyone would say, all right, yep, there's your, there's your 2023 20, or 24, whatever, number one pick, to we got benched against Pittsburgh this past week. Yeah, I mean, you think yeah, about they, that. They well, I mean, he, he got benched. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't know who plays – that Florida State game's kind of interesting because Florida State has gotten better. I mean, they were awful to start the season. Right. And from a roster standpoint, Clemson should just roll over them. But Florida State has looked good the last three weeks. And if they can play with Clemson, that's, uh, that's a good sign for Florida State and a terrible sign for Clemson. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on with the Florida State president athletic director situation? Walk me through that. I keep hearing a lot of 
different things or facts, what people say about it. What's going on up there with the, is there an interim? Is there going to be a new AD? Uh, I'm sure you're connected to that. Tell me what's well, going they, on. They, they've selected a new president. The, the John Thrasher retired and they've selected Richard McCullough as the new president. And so uh, he, he, took a, he took office, I believe, in August. So uh, the, the AD there, David Coburn, was basically acting as AD or you know, serving as AD as a favor to Thrasher. He and Thrasher were kind of connected at the hip, had worked together for years. And so the, the thought was always that, that he would kind of transition out of that and, and they'd find another AD. And so what they did, because the last time the AD job opened, nobody really wanted it because Florida State was, was a very different – setup than anywhere else. And this is a lot of the reason why Jimbo wound up, wound up leaving. Uh, the president of the booster club at Florida state wielded so much power and they tried to change that after Jimbo left. And, and so Coburn actually was sort of, sort of spearheading the change so that when they did eventually, he, he would transition out. He's a vice president now um, that they would, they would be able to, hire a good AD because they'd have a better pool of candidates. Basically they didn't ha have a huge pool of candidates because the thought was you're not really the athlete. It's not, you're not, you, you didn't have the kind of power that if you were the AD at Clemson or if you were the AD at Texas or that you were the AD at Texas A&M. So that's the issue right there. And so we'll see that get tested and then, then we'll see what happens. But you know, it, if Norvell keeps up this trajectory, they're not going to have to worry about do they fire him or not. Because I know after that Jacksonville State game, it was like, oh, crap, you're going to have to fire another guy in year two. And then you're going to be because you're going you're to have to raise the money to do it. They, they don't have the money to do that. Uh, but Norvell may uh, may actually save them from having to do that. That's interesting. I, I was just wondering what was going on just because. Uh, I didn't think they were in a situation where financially they could fire Norvell. But, I mean, you know, when, you, when they lost to Jacksonville State, I mean, when people were talking, you know, 2-10. and 10, And I'm like, okay, they're yeah. not going to deal with that. Yeah, and, and if you're, yeah, if you're going 2-10 and 10 and your stadium's empty, I mean, I don't care how much money it's going to cost you. It's probably going to cost you more to keep that person. So uh, they would have had to do something. But the trajectory they're on now, especially you, you watch them beat North Carolina and you thought, okay, well they beat North Carolina last year, but that was kind of a fluky game when they beat North Carolina last year, this, this year, they just sort of beat them. And then they beat Syracuse, which you're like, okay, it's just Syracuse. But then you realize eh, Syracuse is not bad. You see them play Clemson. You see them play Virginia tech. You're like, all right, Syracuse isn't bad. So yeah, Dino's done a really we'll good see. job up there. Oh, Dean. Yeah. Adino was on the hot seat. I, I I find it very hard to believe anybody's worried about firing him now. They're they're right. a, they're a good team this year. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's been it's been an interesting season though, Booger. Because you know at, at the beginning we thought, okay, Clemson's down, Georgia's up. Is Alabama dead? Because you know Alabama they they have the close call at, at Florida. They lose at Texas A and M, and it's like, okay, is Alabama gonna gonna drop out at some point this year? But it does feel, Booger, the closer we get to the end of the season, that it is going to be a lot of the usual suspects because it does look like Oklahoma is going to be okay. Or uh, Ohio State looks better and better each week. Alabama still Alabama. Georgia has always been in this bunch. They just have only made the playoff once. 
but it, it feels like we, we are going to see quite a few of the usual suspects in the playoff. Well, here's what I would say, okay? Based on, based on what's happened so far and based on what's left. Um, if Cincinnati wins out, it's going to be hard to keep Cincinnati out of the playoff. So I think, if, I think Cincinnati's in a position where they control their own fate. They went out. I think Cincinnati's in. I think okay. if Georgia wins the SEC, Georgia is in. They're in. Okay. I think, if, I think the only way the SEC gets two in is if Alabama upsets Georgia, then I think, um, I think there's a potential of Alabama, a one-loss champ in Alabama, and the one lost Georgia who dominated college football all year. Both of those get in. Uh, yeah. Potential. I'm not saying it's a lot. Oklahoma, even it doesn't seem like it, but the hell, they're, they're undefeated. So now right. if, you have undefe- if you have undefeated Oklahoma, Big 12 champ, new quarterback, a lot of buzz, you're going to keep them out? I don't know. I, I mean, I, one loss Ohio State. Right. Okay. I mean, so, okay. So you tell me if, if, if we both agree that one law, excuse me, undefeated Cincinnati is in, then you give me your other three. See, I don't know that undefeated Cincinnati's in. That's, that's the only thing, especially if Notre Dame loses again. If, if Notre Dame's 11 and one, that's going to help buoy Cincinnati. But the American is, is, has not been particularly great. Now Houston's been good and they could see them in the, in the championship game. Uh, SMU has been very good and they're going to see them in November. So that, that'll help them a little bit, but the other games in the American are not helping Cincinnati at all, and especially when they don't blow them out. Like when they play Navy and it's close, that doesn't help. The other tricky part with this booger is that let's say Ohio State just keeps ripping through the Big Ten like they have the last few weeks, mm-hmm. and they wind up 12-1. and one. Oregon, which keeps trying to give games away, but let's say they don't actually give any more away, and they're 12-1. and one. I think you have to put a twelve and one Oregon in over a twelve and one Ohio State. Now that could be one of them. Is yeah, because they beat them head to head. Yeah, one of them's three and one of them's four, but it also could be one of them's four and one of them's five. But yes, they beat them head to head. Otherwise, why do you play the games? Like, Correct. So I, I think Cincinnati might get screwed in that situation though, because I just the committee values big wins. And how many big wins do you have? Like that is that is their most. If you look back over the years, like that's how Ohio State got in in sixteen, despite not winning the Big Ten. How many big wins do you have? And and of course, there's the eye test thing. I mean, Alabama in 2017 was 11 and one. They'd lost to the Auburn team that lost to Georgia in the SEC championship game. Now that Auburn team also lost to LSU. But I mean, it, it, there's a there's another. Weird situation, Booger. If it, let's say Alabama loses the Iron Bowl to Auburn and Ole Miss wins out. Now, Ole Miss got destroyed by Alabama. But what if Ole Miss is sitting there in 11-1? and one? Do they have a shot? I mean, maybe they have to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. But I don't know. What, what if Al, Or what if Alabama wins the West, gets clobbered by Georgia in the SEC championship game, and Ole Miss is 11-1? and one? Does Ole Miss yeah, back I- its way in? No, nah, because I, I I think other things around the country would have to happen. See, I see. I, I'm of the belief right now. I get it. We're going to have a lot of conversation, but here's here's where I think Cincinnati gets in, because those people in that room are going to remember the last time they saw Cincinnati against one of the big boys, Georgia. Georgia had to kick a last second field goal to beat them last year on the neutral yep. site. That and sticks not for, in. Not, it, yeah, I'm with you. If not for a targeting call against their left tackle, Cincinnati may win that game. 
Exactly. So those people are going to remember that. So now you take that momentum, you roll it into an undefeated season, and now it's like, okay, they didn't get in last year. They got in New Year's Six. So they've kind of taken that gradual progression over a period of time. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati's in. I think in the Oregon-Ohio State head-to-head thing, I think Oregon, you have to give Oregon credit for coming to your house and beating you. That's an easy sell. The SEC champ is an easy sell. So there's, I mean, there's three. Uh, and then if Oklahoma's undefeated, um, I think right now you got I, – I, I think you have five teams for four spots. I think you have Cincinnati. You have Pac-12 champ Oregon. You have Big 12 champ Oklahoma. You have Big 10 champ uh, Ohio State. Uh, and then you have the SEC, depending on what happens there. Um, so I think you may have f- five for four, maybe six for four. I, I think ultimately that's, w- that's what we're going to get back to. Probably six for four because I'm giving you two in the SEC with Georgia and Alabama to go right. along with Oregon, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, and Ohio State. Right, and you have other good teams in the Big Ten like Michigan and Michigan State are still undefeated. They play each other this weekend, but that'll all work itself out because they all exactly. play each other. Correct. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. It's, it, it is going to work itself out. I'm sure there will be hurt feelings along the way, and that's I, I find that a feature, not a bug of the sport. Uh, Booger. Thank you so much for the time. I am I am eagerly looking forward to spending my entire weekend with you, as I always do. Hey, man, looking forward to it. Thank you, man. Appreciate you having me on, Andy. Booger McFarland, the one, the only. Mm-hmm.